no, um, um look, I mean, I look, I mean, I, I only know about so the this is going to be the this is going to be, yeah, it's going to be loud like a place that's not it's either going to go in my office or it's going to go in the bedroom a water um, rower is not silent either you know yeah but it's not as loud as these air ones that's true that's fair uh so the problem with the water rowers and it depends on the, the quality or what you're getting but um I'm not trying to poo poo christmas <laughs> i'm trying to go it, it depends on how it's filled because you might have to refill it periodically which is fine because you if water evaporates and that's not that big a deal you just want to make it's sure it's not a big deal. It's not in direct sunlight. I'll, I'm pretty diligent. I'll put the tablets in. Well, it's not um, that. It's the, your house is warm, right? Like you heat your house, so it's going to evaporate anyway. But the I think the the biggest issue is always um, no. But direct sunlight can prompt bacterial growth, cloud the water up, and things. Oh, like that. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. You just um, you put like a. What is so it they like give it? you tablets. They yeah. give you tablets. Yeah. To yeah. Put in. Yeah, yeah. So that's not. So it. I'll do that, and it's uh, it's like a nice wood one. So it's like a piece of furniture because I'm gonna be leaving it out. Yeah, so I know what you got. Yeah. Okay. It's a dark wood one. Yeah, dark that's cool. Walnut. I'm yeah. excited. No, I, like I mean, that. I'm excited for. I'm excited for it. I like rowing. Like that's my favorite exercise to do. It's actually, I should say, it's the only exercise I enjoy doing. That's great. Everything else seems like a task. Um. So I actually just enjoy that. I uh, yeah I, I wish I could go there with you I really do <laughs> I think it's rowing Listen, is some the most people oppressive like pressing some people like yes. bench pressing some people like yeah because you can see gains or, or on a there's on a immediate or whatever there's immediate gains rowing is a slow burn that is incredibly deceptive because yeah you could row for I'm not looking I, actually I'm not looking for gains I'm looking to just be fit just trim yeah i know but look what are you like a freaking robot look <laughs> everyone wants gains you you just said you wanted gains you said you wanted to be fit and look wanna, if anything i want to lose right lose yeah, well, well the in the in the fitness I'm world get, get gains like, is a loss I'm not, yeah. try, I'm not trying to get big gotcha 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 well my point is is that you still want some sort of like you want to be able to look in the mirror three weeks from now and say all right something substantial is happening here the reason people like weightlifting. No, I'm not. I'm not even. I'm, I mean, I just have like a gut. You just and said sure, it. You, you keep saying it. You, you, yeah. You want to see a difference. You just substantial you difference. No, I don't need a substantial difference. I need to shave like an inch or two off my belly. That's and substantial. Just, and and if anything, it's just I. I want my heart. How about to that? Feel good. Noticeable. I want. I want my. I want my insides to be healthy. <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to say. That's why people gravitate towards weights because it's an immediate. You get that immediate rush of like. Yeah, something is happening cardio here. i don't need i don't need you know strong strong muscles I don't, I don't need any of that i used to weight lift all the time i used to go six days a week three hours a session i used to do all that yeah i don't need it absolutely i can completely see where you're coming from i'm, I'm just saying that the, the the thing is is that rowing can be it, it it sneaks up on you and it doesn't necessarily you know you don't feel as like you've killed yourself like if you were to go for like a a, a six mile run or so even though you are actually doing Sometimes you're actually being more efficient. Rowing is probably the most efficient cardio exercise yeah. you can embark on. Yeah. Right. Well, look, look, you're a smart guy. Smart guy, I'll just say. Look, I'm look looking to, I know myself, um, and especially without a buddy to, to do this with, um, I'm going to commit about 20 minutes, probably three times a week to this. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's what I'm going to do. I applaud you. I applaud you. And I like... The sound of water. So as I row it's, this, I'm yeah. gonna enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not the same. The the, the whooshing. It's better the than the whooshing. Whoosh, whoosh well, it's the same. The, it's the gonna air. you're gonna it's gonna be the no, same when you thing. You go to the gym, you do the air ones. I, I will admit I never did the magnetic ones. I don't move. I sit at my desk all day and then I sit for whatever period of time I'm not at my desk. I need this. I don't feel right on the inside. I need, this, I, need I need this and I will make myself do it because I find I've wanted a rowing machine forever because like I said, that's one of my favorite exercises. Even when I did it at the gym with like weights or the pneumatic ones or whatever mm -hmm. they were, the fans, I guess um, I I've always liked rowing. Rowing was actually the first thing I ever did. I remember when my dad took me to the Y when I was young and it was the only machine he would let me go on. And maybe that has something <laughs> to do with it. But uh, <laughs> I was like a child. I probably shouldn't have been doing any of that stuff. A therapist is just having their, a great a field day right now. Any, any therapist <laughs> out there listening is like, oh, yes, yes. Tell me more. Tell me more about your father and your <laughs> rowing relationship. 
But uh, it's, why do you feel it, he left enjoy, you? Do you feel I like he left enjoy, you on the rower? <laughs> did, you, did you feel abandoned <laughs> on the rowing machine? By rowing, do you feel like you could row your way back into his heart? Back to my father's heart, yes. <laughs> With every stroke, he loves me more. <laughs> anyway, um, each each stroke is a is a thump in his heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I enjoy it. It's just one of those things. I, I always hated training for sports. Um, and for whatever reason, this particular exercise was just always whatever. I just like, I enjoyed it. So hey, looking I, forward to it. Yeah. I like the, I like the water rower. I, I, I've used it once. I enjoyed it. It's, you know, there's no resistance to it. It's more, you fill it up with water and then it, it just feels different. It's hard to describe, but mm-hmm. it's not like a resistance type thing where you just keep adding weight to it. But I'm not looking for that. Like I said before, I'm actually just looking for something like a, a casual workout. It if that's be very thing. zen rowing yeah. in general. Yeah. And I think that a water rower. And I can, I, you're right. I can lose myself in it. And that's what I kind of mean. I can kind of zone out while I do this for 20 you can minutes. Get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was in the best shape of my life when I rode crew in college. I mean, that was, it was just fantastic. You know, of course you did. I always have told people that I, I wish that was available by me because I would have done that. Um, I would have absolutely Oh, you would have loved that. it. Yeah, you would definitely love it. There's nothing more zen than being out in the water at 5.30 in the freaking morning in the in, in like a Better than being water. out at 5.30 in the morning <laughs> running laps around a soccer field. That's true. That's actually really true. Yeah. No, I mean, I do. I, I tried the experience a little bit, but there there is literally nothing. I can actually say this with, with complete seriousness having the 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 way that the oars hit the water as they glide in the morning is is a truly meditative experience it, it, it that that sound is is like i don't know it's like butter it's it's just it's like ice cream on a on a, on a hot day and to your point to your point since you did row and you probably have this more performance oriented bias towards it olympians tend to use the fan rowing machines more similar to what you sent me yes so that makes sense. I'm not looking to perform. Right. I'm looking right. to honestly enjoy it. And to your, like with the water sound, with the lack of resistance, so to speak, but just mm-hmm. more like through, you know, filling it up or less with water, yeah, more or less with water. Like I'm just looking for an enjoyable experience all around that. So this has longevity. So this habit, you know, has legs. And that's the key to success in terms of workout that, that they say that all the time, sustainability, any like good, what do you call them? Personal trainers, PTs, uh, will always champion sustainability. It's really about finding that balance that works for you yeah. in order to uh, in order to get there. Because yeah, you could go hard. You you get a, a concept too. You know, um, looking for that sponsorship. It's the best rowing machine uh, in the world, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you 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 kill yourself. You go you go five hundred. You know you could you could do five hundred meters as fast as possible and throw up at the end. But you're you're not going to keep doing that for a full year. You're going to do that for a couple of weekends, and then you're going to quit. So, sustainability—it's all about that Zen sustainability. There you go. Yeah. So let me add concept two versus water rower um, in my notes, so I can promote this for the podcast. Since this is what we <laughs> talked about for about fifteen minutes. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Well, I have something interesting. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Um, so currently, currently. To get into low Earth orbit today, um, we use rockets and balloons. But have you ever heard of mass accelerators? Nope, I have not. Okay. So there's a company called Spin Launch, and okay. the name will be very self-evident in a minute, mm-hmm. um, uh, that just completed a successful test. Um, and I have to say, this thing looks like simple, like really too, almost too simple. Um, it's something that I would have imagined if I was playing with my toys as a kid building it with Legos or something, but it's kind of cool looking when you see it because it's so um, sleek and easy to understand. So there's this housing, imagine like a compass or a pocket watch that like pancake type shape. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, but it's a hundred feet wide and, um, and it has an arm in it, similar to like a watch or something and a central access point. So you have this pancake looking thing. Imagine a compass almost, um, and the central axis point where this arm is just spinning super fast. And if you've ever seen like astronauts and training for G-forces, that, that kind of um, vacuum sealed centrifuge that they spin around in, that's what this is. That's what, yeah. that's what you 
imagine. Okay. So on one end is uh, whatever of this arm. I, I don't even know if it's a weight, but it's something. But on the other end <clears throat> is a projectile where it's like got a hollow uh, uh, shell, I guess, where you can transport stuff and it spins around super fast. And then all of a sudden the arm lets it go and it flies out the side into low earth or orbit. So oh, okay. it spins really fast. Right. And then lets it go and it goes, shoots it out into space. Um, what is it called? So it's this, centripetal force. Isn't that the, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I assume, I assume it's something like that. Yeah. It's like they, the, the, what the article said was, um, rotational kinetic energy, but I think it's okay. centripetal force, but I don't. Okay. Well, they would have used um, it if it was, so it's probably different, but yeah. Yeah. They, they, there's probably some difference there, but, <clears throat> but anyway, um, it costs $38 billion, uh, but apparently is much cheaper to operate by a factor of 20 than like just rocket shipping things into space. Um, if that's the, how you say it. Well, the question um, well, here, well, now I already have a question right here. Is it, there you go. Where, well, where's the savings coming from? Because I think you have to be particular with that whenever someone says that. Is it the savings in the fuel that is required to use the rockets? Are we talking about rockets that are reusable versus rockets that are non-reusable? You know, like what, what, like what, what are we talking about here? Is it just in the, yeah. So this was only pure... a test and they, no, that's a really good question. So this is only a test and it didn't get into whether or not this thing would like return to space or what happens to it next. It's almost, it looks, thing looks like a bullet. If you look it up, there's videos to it and everything. It's like super cool looking, um, but it just like throws this thing into the air um, and I don't know how it returns, if at all, because it doesn't seem like there's any like, I mean, there might be in the future, but it doesn't seem like there's any electronics involved. It seems like just spinning around really fast and shooting this thing up. Maybe if there was a re-entry plan that there, they would have some type of fuel to it and everything, but that's not how it gets out there. Now to your, now, so I don't know if the savings are on reusability, um, but <clears throat> apparently all of the electricity needed to generate this rotational kinetic energy is solar powered. Okay. So there seems to be savings there. That, yeah, that would right. definitely, yeah, definitely in terms of using um, fossil fuels. You don't, you don't need rocket yeah. fuel. You don't, well, need that rocket is fuel anymore. Yeah. you don't need rocket fuel anymore. You don't need all that water to cool it down. If yeah. You ever see all the yeah, steam yeah. and stuff uh, during launches. That's what mm -hmm. that is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just all this, all that um, liquid nitrogen and everything that they have. I think that's what it is, maybe. Or it's like, it's like frozen fuel or this, whatever it is. Um, I got the picturing, uh, so the I mean, cool even, even if this whatever. is the exact terminology for it, it, but we know. But I know yeah, you're no, talking I, about I'm, yes. I'm butchering. I'm it's not fine. rocket it's science. Fine. So, as scientists, people, um, rocket scientists, about, tweet but, at us. Yeah. Retraction media. It reminded me of um, Lake Placid. You've seen that movie, right? No, I don't remember. Are you getting? Are you serious? No, I don't think I've seen Lake Placid. Actually, I don't think I've seen it. Are you kidding me? All no, right. So, first of all, first of all, watch Lake Placid. The dialogue okay. in this movie is hilarious. Um, the, the, the sheriff in it says something along the lines of um, a brain. He's not a brain scientist. Um, okay. and, and that's what it made me think of because okay. he, he says all these things. Um, uh, God, I don't even, you know what? Just go watch the movie. You really have to see it. It's really I'll watch funny. it but and anyway. go back to it. I got, I got some holiday time. I'll try to uh, fit You, that you definitely have to. It's hilarious. And, it, and it, the, the, the comedy holds up. Okay. And I don't even know if it's intentional. Now I want you to see just so I can talk about it because I want to know if it was intentional or not. All right. Um, got you. Got you. It's like they're ad-libbing on the script. But anyway, so uh, this thing uh, generates its solar power, generates the, the electricity to launch it. Um, so I think that's where the savings are. Now, I assume just by the nature of how this thing is launched into space that there's no plans to launch people because I don't know if they could survive. So I'm assuming this is only to launch, um, to transport objects. Mm. Yeah. materials supplies things like that to the space station or beyond probes yeah exactly right whatever it may be it still works i mean it's still it's, it's funny cool. I mean, we barely sent anyone to space anymore i mean we're i think we're just starting to because of uh bezos and uh and, and musk and those guys getting into the game but other than that we we quit sending people to space for like what the past like well there's like what years, there's the years. artemis mission the artemis is that what it is with with nasa and sending people into space i think they're but I think that our, I mean, look, I was, could be already? speaking out of turn, but I thought that it's been at least I mean, it had been a long time since we had sent someone into space. So, I mean, um, well, we use SpaceX and no, I mean, we send people to the space station. There's always people on the space station. So sorry, that's yeah. like always right. there. But Explore I think we want to go back to the moon. I think right. we're going to go to Mars, hopefully, eventually. Yeah, um, all these things are on the docket. I'm just saying that it's been like a revitalization of the space program in like the last like five, six years or something. I mean. 
again, it could, could be speaking out of turn, but I, I'm pretty sure that no, probably out of necessity because other do. countries because other countries are starting to do it now. So it's not like it's right. only only the U.S. that can do it. Um, so there's competition. So yeah, we, you know, yeah, we, you we, we should. But um, I'm curious. One, if this will be the standard, if this, you know, is the cost effectiveness alone enough to make this the standard of how we transport supplies or what have mm. you into space non-organic material um and then the very idea that there's an alternative to chemical rockets will will this spur innovation to or alternatives to get people into space like i, I wonder if and I, I can't even imagine what it would be um but i i wonder if this will change things that way or, or if you know, the savings are so great that we'll be able to just transport people more often. I was watching this thing on Disney Plus about <clears throat> sending people up to the space station. And it's every so, so many months because they need these windows and they need approvals and the funding and all this. And I'm just curious if, uh, if this will help, if, it, if there would be even a need to accelerate that or to make it more frequent and then what that would look like. I don't know. Could, could provide more um, the opportunity for more space stations. Because I'm saying if it's much easier, you know, right now, if it's incredibly labor intensive to send goods and services up to the space station, if it gets cheaper and you can do it more with, uh, you with would have greater more frequency, windows, wouldn't you? you'd have more windows and therefore maybe you can make another space station. You can make a few space stations. Who knows? You know, they say the possibilities are always, they always open up whenever you have uh, uh, efficient technologies that can operate at a, uh, a fraction of the cost of whatever the. Uh, tried and true at the moment happens to be so the, the innovation that's how i mean that, that's basically the cornerstone of innovation you need something that is cheaper and more efficient and uh and yeah and then, then you get proliferation so yeah apparently the space station know. had to just they had to recently fire their thrusters because um i guess it was like maybe like a russian rocket or something had jettisoned something mm. and then it was in danger of hitting and they had a they had a move i didn't even know the space station could do that i guess like thinking about it like that would course they could but i didn't i didn't realize that i think i posed the question on twitter to, to the space station um <laughs> yeah. will will you ever have defensive capabilities and that's what they uh, said they, we they said they, we they didn't they didn't they didn't answer no no, no they, oh. they didn't get me unfortunately it really would have been funny if they used the dodgeball quote or like if you if you could dodge a russian missile you could what is, what is it if you could dodge a wrench you could dodge a ball something like that yeah 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 uh can Do you imagine dodge. it would Dip. Would the space station ever have defensive capabilities? Do you think that'll ever happen? No. Why, why would you need the defensive capabilities from an for all the debris that comes station? in? I mean, that's like well, that's what they. I think let's if take they war out of it, but like oh, right. the debris, they're like all of the space junk. Well, have I think that's what they deal with. Yeah, all that, all that junk. <laughs> you, ever <see> <laughs> you ever see that cartoon? Well, there's not really <laughs> a lot that there's not really a lot to visualize. I, well, I think so. They, there's a visual for everybody. I didn't want to get into that because I'm not. You know, I'm not. I haven't read anything on it. I just, I, I just have like a cursory inkling for some reason that there, there is some issues with the amount of space, um, space trash, and I'm not, I'm not sure how that affects the space station at all. But um, I, that's the first place I would look is just to figure out do they have any main issues with like having to deflect all the the uh, the trash that's left in space in orbit. Well, so. the the thing that confuses me about this is similar to like the asteroid belt. So when you see imagery of the satellites and debris around the earth similar to when you see imagery of the um, asteroid belt you know it has to be represented in some way so you see all these dots and and you know if it's if they try to be accurate then you see a lot of dots and you get the sense that it's very cluttered um, and very close together but when you think about the true distances between each of these ops, uh, objects in the asteroid belt, they are very, very far. Like you could, you could fly through it. I think, I don't think it's, you're in danger of like having to maneuver like in star Wars where they're dodging things and it's, and it's so cluttered. And so I guess I'm, I'm conf confused right. in the same way of, of the space debris around earth. When you see the imagery of it, because they have to represent all the different things that they've cataloged, it looks like you could barely even see the planet. If you were on the other side of this, but I wonder how much distance is truly between these things. And um, because otherwise, wouldn't it be almost like, you know, Saturn's rings where one day these things would become moons. <laughs> We'd have <laughs> moons of, of space debris almost. Yeah. I don't know. I so that's a good, it's good food for thought. Who knows? Oh, whatever. <laughs> All right. What do you want to talk about? You seem very disinterested. You go. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> 
You talk about something more interesting, Antoine. <laughs> I'm just listening. I, I don't have a lot to add to it. I'm like, it's 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 like ah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't. I, I'm just not. I'm not as familiar with that that world. Well, so as you getting are. people getting people into space. This is my that main is point the, about that, all of this. Right. Getting people into space because this is an interesting, cheaper way to get objects into space. Right. Getting people into space. Do you think? Can you imagine another way to do this other than like? you know, what is it, foundation style, building a space elevator into into the atmosphere. How else can we get people in there or out there, I should say? I'm surprised that we don't, I mean, I from memory serves, the Concorde, the way that the Concorde, or I can't remember, the, I don't know if the Concorde did this, but I think that they're, they're, they're building a ship right now or a plane that is supposed to be able to simply go up into like the stratosphere and then like wait for the earth to rotate underneath it and then come back down. Am I, am I off on that? Have you ever heard of something, a concept like that? I've heard of a concept where a plane goes up and then it comes almost straight down, but not, it's like a very, yes, um, it's a very cute, a very acute angle. angle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, and it's efficient because to your point, the earth is rotating. So while it's going up and while it's descending, the earth is spinning and they're gaining all of those, miles per hour whatever, exactly right? but, but it, now does so this exi- does this exist or you're tra- or, or we're thinking of like this is a project no like i a- don't i mean i'm not aware of that being a way to transport people i've seen um uh like mock-ups of that probably on like the discovery channel or that's something exactly like that. when, right when they I talk think about like trying to make it and, and all yeah. that stuff yeah but well, i think not- someone's trying to do it and uh i'm saying like when i think about things like that or even the i mean what was it the concord could just like what was it could beat the uh, the sound barrier. It There's really... a, but but that's but that's like, well, the Concorde, yeah, would travel at like Mach something. Yeah, you know, right. they would break the sound barrier and and get you overseas in three hours or something. But the issue I think that you have with the other thing is re- reentry. I mean, there's like, you know, the risk of burnout. That's it. Yeah, that's that's probably it. I mean, I was just like, I was do you just want to be like, on a? Do you want? You know, you you think of the um, think of another level. What, what yeah. is it like the Twilight Zone where there's something on the wing? Imagine seeing flames and fire is just yeah. like routine out the port window. I mean, that's yeah. like that's stressful. Right. Yeah. So, I, but to get issue. around that, to get around that, and I think this is what some of the luxury concepts are for even just the Concorde type jets is that there are no windows, and. But but everything is digitized in terms of the fuselage on the inside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that they can show you whatever they want. Now, they can, you know, mirror what would be outside, although that would probably freak people out if it seemed like you were floating in the middle of the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can show you whatever they want, but they would then hide the raging fire around you while you reenter the atmosphere. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, I think that would probably stress people out a little. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I. It's not helpful. I mean, I, I, my mind keeps going back to Battlestar Galactica because I always thought that was the coolest concept of the the remake of the show is that all the ships were built in space. Now, that doesn't help you help, help you get from Earth to space. But that idea that you're no longer having to worry like you. It's like we, we build one apparatus that gets you up and down. You're not building multiples. And then from there, everything else just gets built up in space. So you've got, you know, whether you've got cities or big floating ships or what have you. You know, that that way you're taking a lot of that, the what we're talking about here, like the, you know, because a lot of it has to do with like the breaking the atmosphere, getting that uh, propulsion, however you're getting it, solar panels. It's like some of some speed you need to meet. Exactly. So you're not um, dealing with it over and over again. You're just dealing with it in one place, which similar to like a star bridge, right? Lincoln Foundation. So. Yeah, it's not really helpful to this. Um, yeah, but I, you know, you bring up an interesting point because I remember in the new star, the the reboot of the Star Trek movies, um, when Kirk's riding up, he sees the starship being built on Earth, um, and I guess the starships in Star Trek use m- magnetics or something. You wouldn't do the, that though. There's no way. Yeah, you would never do is. that. <sighs> but I guess my question is why? Because then, if you're really going to build a spacefaring vessel. Wouldn't you want it to be able to enter and exit a planet or would you only really send shuttles in the way that we would like, you know, seafaring civilizations would where you have your galley. If it's too big, smaller right? rowboats in. That was always the cool thing about Battlestar. It's like the ships. The reason they can't do reentry is because the ships are so massive that there's it's just no way to control it. And they don't use like propulsion like to get out of orbit in that way. They use like, you know, I don't know what they're using. It's a it's a made up show. My point is the <laughs> theoretically, you'd you you you'd want to be building something so massive that it, it has no 
ability to really re-enter uh, you know the atmosphere of a planet so yeah you'd, you'd want to send some sort of shuttle that can go back and forth to it you know oh. something like that i think it, i think it's the most logical way of doing it so i, I wouldn't be surprised if we adopt that real world uh, mentality when we actually because i mean that's the whole reason we want to build on on uh on the moon is because it has less gravity and therefore it takes less energy to uh to do exploration from the moon into deep space I mean, that's the whole reason we want to do it on the moon i yeah so i've heard that right like but you have to unless you unless you quarry the moon to build and maybe this is a really stupid question but what's what what's the cost of building on earth and launching this thing up this mammoth ship or doing doing um i don't know like thousands of launches to get all the materials up that's a good point that's a good point i mean i, I think that's why it's all theoretical <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, so hey, but it. to your point, you're we're talking about technology that is going to make it cheaper to send materials into space. And so that from that point of view, you're on your way in order to then now it's starting to make a little bit more sense to be building in space. But you're right. It, it, what, Why you doesn't know. the space station just harpoon a line, a pulley, mm-hmm. pulley line into the earth, you know, sink its orbit and and we just like pulley system things up and down. I feel like the Rome, if the Romans were still around, that's what they would do. They would just- <laughs> that is what the Romans would do. And the Romans would figure out a way to constantly compensate for whether uh, ships in the Earth's crust. Uh, <laughs> like there's just so many variables <laughs> to maintaining a bridge. That's, that's what the foundation doesn't really take into account. There's so many variables with, with having to maintain a bridge from the from the. They can disconnect the if they have to and reshoot another line or, or, or <laughs> right. whatever it is. Well, all right. This is right you got, you got little engineers on the ground that like, that disconnect and they they retract it back up yeah it's, a, it's just happen? a series of uh of uh, autonomous drones that are just working the work the, why work not? the bridge yeah why not why not so why not i think this can happen <laughs> i think you anyway, want it to happen i have two more things but yeah if sure you go, for go it. No, I don't, no all right well i came across since we're doing a space thing i'll, I'll do one more space thing mm-hmm. um i came across an alien theory that i've never heard before of it- why we haven't met aliens yet what, is it so? Is it what the ancient astronaut theorists have conceived of? No, no, it's okay. not. <laughs> and, I've, and 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 I've watched that show. I've probably watched it more than I'd like to admit. It's entertaining to me, but I this is but not because I think it's real, but because it's entertaining. It's like a show, unlike some people who actually think those things. People but, were um, talking about a show called Ancient Aliens. It's a it's like a underground joke for uh, Jamie and myself. And you should look up the host of the show because you'll get a kick out of that. Yeah, he's a character. Um, hey, I, it's entertaining. It's yeah. it's it's something to talk about. All right, about. so but this anyway. isn't this isn't something that ancient astronauts. No, I mean have, this is this is uh, you know a theory. Call it sci-fi, but I think it's um, it's a theory that I've. Yeah, this is like before. a sci-fi episode so far. This yeah, let's keep going. All right, so I want to give everyone context for scope of the, the galaxy. I won't even do the universe, but experts generally agree that Earth is one of among like, let's say a hundred billion planets in our galaxy, right? We're one planet out of a hundred billion. And recently someone was doing comparisons of like a million to a billion, and this may help you. Um, A million seconds, a million seconds is equal to 11 days. One billion seconds is equal to about 35 years. This has, our galaxy has around 30, uh, I'm sorry, a hundred billion planets. I guess the point of that is it's hard to imagine that we're one of a hundred billion and we're the only ones with life, right? The earth is just somehow unique. That's how I feel. That's how I, I mean, that, that's how most scientists, feel. most feel. scientists, there's a lot of scientists who don't feel that way, but yeah, there's some, well, and, and you know what, you know, the proof is on their side at this point, if they do feel that way, because we haven't found any yet. Right. Yeah. But I think, is it Neil deGrasse Tyson? Is he a big, is he a skeptic as to life, uh, life outside the, I have not heard that. No, in fact, I'm surprised that you have or would even think that. Well, think- he, I thought he has a whole I thing think- about like why. Well, all right, I don't. All right, I should I should rephrase that. He's not. I don't, I don't believe he's a skeptic whether there is life out there. He he's a naturally, which I mean, I think everyone is. I think what he's skeptical of is that any any extraterrestrial life has ever visited this planet. That's fair enough. Yeah. That's fair. I, um, I don't know I his stance on that, but I don't know because he. He may have a personal inclination, but he's also a scientist, so he would leave that door open 
and I imagine speaking for Neil, Neil, check in with me if you if you disagree. But I would almost say that if an alien species did visit us, we wouldn't even know. Do ants know? You know, if we look at them from I don't know <laughs> from hundred yards out, yeah. like I like they, yeah. how would they know? That's um, so any so. Uh, so this theory, apparently it's been around since 2017. It's called Astivation Hypothesis. And I don't know why I tend to bring things up and say them out loud on air that I've never heard said out loud before. I don't know if that's how you spell it, or I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know if that's how you say it, but Astivation Hypothesis. And basically um, what this theory is saying is that aliens are hibernating like bears. Um, but for a really long time. And I'll just read a quote from the article. The scientists reason that just about any advanced civilization will eventually merge with machines, forming a fully digitized society that can think, act, and function on levels beyond our imagination. The only problem with that is cooling. Processing systems here on earth, for example, become 10 times more efficient when they're in an environment that is 10 times cooler. So digital aliens would see the logic of hibernating for a few trillion years or so while the universe expands and cools. That way they can devote more processing power toward important activities like conquering the galaxy instead of simply keeping their systems from overheating. All right, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. That's very high concept. So um, yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, so, I've never say? heard it before. <laughs> I've never heard that before either. So, that's, so it's uh, it's quite possible. But I guess my thing is with the universe. So it seems like what long term strategy <laughs> they they were they would conquer us anyway. But if you're no a digital what. civilization, I mean, what do you have but time? I mean, what is time to you? Um, but does the universe? So if it's expanding and cooling, I mean, does the void itself actually get cooler? Is that how it works? The void itself? Like the void, like interstellar space. Right. Like, oh, gotcha. For, gotcha. In, in terms of you're thinking about servers or something, uh, you know, to keep them cool, Man, is know. the expanding universe actually keeping them cool enough or cooler than if they were to be active now and doing whatever civilization of that advancement would be doing look i could be wrong here i always assumed that the cooling your computer had... guy antoine you, uh, this is right up your alley no it's not no <laughs> not at all no speak to it speak to these i could talk about cooling a gpu and a cpu uh that has nothing to do with what's happening in space um the only thing i, I just think when i I, I may have misunderstood. I always thought that when people talk about the cooling of space in that way, they're talking about planets like the, the molten rock planets from the, uh, you know, the start of the, the, the big bang, everything's like hot and, 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 and like the number of stars and things like that. I always assume well, that the number of stars that cooling. are coalescing around, right. around supermassive black holes that form these galaxies. Right. And then, but, and then they explode in, in supernovas and then that's a nebula, but then they coalesce again. But, the further and further things move away from one another, you know, the less and less that will happen. Right. And eventually the whole of the universe will cool. And, so, you know, you can and imagine die. all these sparks. Eventually, right. The sparks are happening super close to one another. The mm -hmm. sparks are galaxies. Right. And then as the galaxies move farther apart, the sparks are happening farther apart and they don't interact as much with one another. And that's what's that's I think what what you know in a very crude and probably no, informed but way. That, that, that's actually a better way of explaining it because I mean that but my point is it's it's more in the line of that. So when you're talking about like the actual like void of space cooling, well, that's a, that's I, I never space between the sparks, right? The but I never between. assumed that had any kind of like heat. I I, I actually didn't. I always assumed that the, the 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 temperature of space was constant. I actually was assumed that the temperature of space was. You know, well, always it's an interesting freezing to it. I mean, so, whatever the, the, the it, I, I actually never thought about it before. I, I never thought of any part of space being hotter than, than another part of space. I always so assumed I it was a constant. The and I don't remember if this is the name of the term um, heliosphere. So the 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 space around the sun that the sun or a star, any star mm -hmm. has influenced over. And I and I would say like gravitationally, because I think like it's photons will go out super mm -hmm. far. Um, not infinite, but far, mm -hmm. um, but like the, the, the influence of its gravity is like the heliosphere, I think. Um, but if you had two solar systems mm -hmm. and you put them, you know, 
what you know next to each other but then move them farther out farther out farther out would each of those incremental moves cool the space between it and that's kind of what i don't know because i think that's what this is getting to well see i guess that's, that's the oh, man i feel like this is <laughs> we've got to a very dirty part of the podcast here because to me i'm like well my question is is it the space that is actually changing in its temperature or is it simply you're further away from the heat source like that's what i'm saying like does the space well, that, that is at a constant is- yeah but that's but that's like that's a difference right like what i'm trying to say is i feel that that's a different conversation it's because if it's if if the space itself neither heats nor cools you know you're it's just you it's how you're feeling or how a planet is reacting to being closer to the sun so it's like it's it's almost negligible whether well, no, because it's if you're right. in space, so no, because it's not the radiant heat. So yes, the sun or the star is heating the planet or whatever. Exactly. That's what's ma- that's it what is matters. That planet and there's a radiant heat to that. But if you're in space, right. And, and it, you could be, it's just like, say, say, say you're doing, say you're doing a spacewalk or you're mm-hmm. just floating out in space when you're shielded from the sun, it's, mm-hmm. it's cold, like super, super cold. But when you're exactly. in the sun, it's super, super hot. That's so, what I'm talking about here. But, but, you know, if you were to put, a, is it, you know, I don't know, That's what is saying, it you that, or the space itself, is, does it have to radiate off of something? But in this example, it would be radiating off of the servers of the aliens, like the, the, the servers of the aliens would be radiating or, or mm-hmm. absorbing, like they would be absorbing the heat. So they're mm-hmm. in this space, regardless of where it is, and they're getting hit up with photons and, and radiation and from a star mm-hmm. and they're heating up. Right. Okay, and then they would get cooler. Yeah, I mean that that, that makes that's logical. So it's like less I, less heat from the stars as they move out. And I guess my question is, which is more that, natural? Is it negligible at that point? Like how much colder and how? Because this is talking about it's ten times colder, so it's ten times more efficient by a factor of ten that we see that on Earth today, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. Um, and so what you know. Does it really get that much colder the farther that solar systems and galaxies move farther apart where it would be in the interest of the advanced civilization to remain dormant for trillions of years while this all takes place? No, you got That's nothing. a question. It's a question for the ages. I don't think it's one. <laughs> it's one. Look, a theoretical astrophysicist. Right. Or I'm moving probably, on. I'm moving no, on. I'm saying, we, we need to. This is why we need guests. This is why we need. We need someone who is very much get an astrophysicist, Antoine, or have an astrophysicist friend, invite I, them on. Or yeah, or someone who at least says this is their hobby is 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 this kind of uh, this kind of query and uh, yeah, and get them on so that they could they could help us at least navigate because they won't know the answer, but they could definitely help navigate uh, a little bit about this. So yeah, all right, uh, listeners, cool. well, but it's a good thought. One. It's a good. It's a good. I think it's thought. I think it's look, it's it's very it's very compounded, you know, like the, the, this is a lot. It's a lot to impact because <laughs> even, even I'm sitting here struggling like, well, <laughs> what are we really talking about here? But, you know, I, I think it's good to challenge. So we're challenging each other. We're challenging the the the, the list. We're challenging the podcast. All right, I, I have point. another one. I have a third one for you. I have a okay. third one for you. And I think you'll hopefully have more, more, to, say. more, more to say on it. <laughs> I don't know, right. Jamie. <laughs> How do you define an adult? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I, is it is it age? Is it milestones like owning a home or starting a family? Like it's usually cultural. Adult? It's always it's always been cultural. So I'd be interested to hear what this article has to say because right. historically it's always about culture. So well, yeah, I'm not even going to get into that bit of it, but I think you'll have places to to, to comment. So according to our recent study, scientists, and this is you know no surprise to you. Um, are saying that humans don't become fully formed adults until we reach our mid thirties. I actually previously Whoa, heard it was like Oh, that's 20s. new. It's twenty five. Is you was what it was yeah, before. So this is that our is very 30s. new. That's very new. Um, yeah. So this conclusion is based on the extent of changes that happen within the human brain. Uh, while the bulk of neural development takes place in our mid teens, the connections and refinements, all that stuff that happens, continues into our third decade. So, you know, these changes can affect our behavior, mental health, all those types yeah, of things. That's so really the idea, the idea that adults are, uh, you know, that, that we're adults when we're 18 seems a little, e- or even further out of touch. So I think you had told me 24 or 25 in the past. 25. Yeah. They were saying that that's when the brain becomes fully formed. Like it stops. It's um, sort of the maturity process according to, you know, th- th- I felt that that was the prevailing theory when, when you speak to most uh, either neuroscientists, scientists or psychologists, 
that is this is this is I've never heard this before. So this is is this a new paper that they've just published? Is this um like yeah, a, this is a, a recent study, right? So okay. it's, it's it's a it's a new paper. Well, how I mean, I don't you don't need to get into the particulars of like how they did the study, but like, is this is what what kind of study is this? That's what I'm trying to say. Like, who who did this study? Like, where where is this study coming from? Is this like medical journal or um, psychological journal? Like, who? Yeah, like where is this coming from? Um, I believe it is coming from an article pump, published in Lancet Child and Adoles- Adolescent Health. Hmm. Okay. So, the, so a journal, some, okay. a Lance, uh, one of a Lan- one of Lancet's journals. Okay. Um, it doesn't say. I wonder if I can find out. It'd be. I just be interesting to see how they came to that conclusion. Like, or are they just studying? Are they like? Do they do brain mapping? Um, Oh geez. Well, I mean, I think I would have to pay for the full That's uh, study. That's I'm asking too much. I'm asking too. <laughs> I'm doing what you do to me. I'm asking too much. Well, hey, look. Anyway, it, it, here's the here's the findings of the study, and it'll be interesting to see if this is replicated or if any. Like, where are you getting this article, by the way? Like, what publication is this appearing in? So the original article is with IFL Science, uh, yeah. but like okay. I said, they're citing a Lancet, the Lancet Child and Adolescent Health. That's cool. Um, and there is a summary that you can read. Mm-hmm. I can definitely post it. Um, I think most people will be very interested in this because what I think is really interesting, just right off the top of my head, I'm like, all right, th- this is now adding a whole new level to the the idea of a midlife crisis, right? Like, is that or does that like automatically just jump into you? Like, if you're really maturing in your what are they saying mid thirties. 30s and it changes for men and women so they're okay. they're saying 30s because and it ch- i'll say this it changes for for men and women but it also changes for the individual even within those typical gender role genders that with the definitions but um but even it, so let's say you come to maturity just some, like say 30 say your third decade okay just so you, you turn 30 i mean we also have to remember again culture right culture plays so much into this we're where even talking to you we are talking from like people who are very very much closer to urban centers you know me and you you know we we have we did not have children in our early 20s right versus other people in the in the country where you know you you would be much further along in terms of your your maturity if you've had a child in your early 20s or your you know late teens or or, or what have you you know that that adds up different weight of responsibilities and the way that the culture uh, out there might project on you in terms of like what you're you're uh, supposed to be doing what you're uh, uh, how much weight you're supposed to be carrying as a full-grown adult you know I, I very much no one was expecting me necessarily to be a full-grown adult it's almost like 20s. that's almost you know if you consider your body developing those external conditions are almost how your body develops not whether or not your body is still developing so while you and I may be living a certain life but then other people in different regions or cultures are having less or more or different stressors added to that development to make it go left, right, or up, down, diagonal. Um, it's not that their body is or isn't developing at a different rate, but it's developing differently given mm. the, the, the influence that the environment has. Yeah. So I think that, and, you know, I may be speaking out of my league here and I, I'm probably certain that I am, but I feel like that's the, the, the feeling that I get from what you're talking about versus the idea that your body biologically isn't done, isn't done forming until your, your brain isn't done forming till your thirties. Now, what you do to it during that period of time differs across the globe, full spectrum, but you have until your thirties to steer yourself in some direction, apparently. Well, I guess what I was trying to get at, um, is I was I was ba- I was trying to lay the groundwork for the differences in what one might consider a midlife crisis, uh, because I think that, uh, and again, I'm not an expert, and I really I kind of wish I was at this point because this this would be really fun to talk. So, like about. someone who's living like hard hard life is is experiencing that in like their early teens versus you know 30s <laughs> no no <laughs> that like who am i <laughs> well well that well i guess what i'm trying to say is that if you're not if you if you've had children let's say you've had multiple children by the time you're 32 um which is which is a lot of people in this country um getting to that midlife crisis you know that that i feel like that is your that is the That's- period that most what 
I think that is like your lifespan, though, when you realize that, oh, my God, I've lived half of my life. What am I doing? Not so much. I have that's have I've gone through this, you know, like I feel like isn't that a, isn't there a difference here? Like I've endured this versus I only have X amount of days left. I think that it comes in many shapes and forms. That's my point. I think that to get to that realization that you have but someone who's like someone who's saying like, to get there, I can't mature, afford bread. Isn't like I, should, I need to buy a Porsche, a Porsche. Oh, well, or, you're, oh, well, you're, you see, again, you're, you're, you're telegraph, you're, you're, you know, that, that is a certain type no, of midlife crisis, that's a right? Stereotype, that, the stereotypical midlife crisis that you would see in movies. I mean, yeah. mine more is what have I contributed to this world? Um, what am I doing with my life? Those well, that, that's that your, your exist, your existential dread can hit at any age. That's not, <laughs> that's not, necessarily but, you, but what I'm saying is someone who goes through a hard life, is that like where they're well, focused? Everyone is? goes, through, I say, I know you're not buying material things. I've had people blow up their lives all the time. Because not material they, things or, or no, I want to do they buy more a truck. They buy, no, I would say you could buy it, yeah, but well, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a buying of anything. All I'm saying is that. If, if we're saying that people can come into that full realization of themselves in the 30s period, I think the 30s is where people start to reevaluate a lot of what they used to hold uh, dear in, in terms of life. And you, I mean, again, see, that's the thing that sucks is because you, when you're not an expert, we don't have an expert on, you know, like there's so many different avenues that you could that my my brain is like firing off into where I'm like, well, you know, what about the whole idea that, you know, women, you know, when they get to their 30s and you start getting like sort of like. I don't want to, you start wanting to have a family, right? You start feeling more compelled. You know, a lot of it is always, you, you drill it, you know, we push it down to, well, you know, it's, you're getting to the end of tell your me, childbearing tell me, years, tell me right? What, tell me what women feel. I'm not telling you what women feel. I'm talking, <laughs> you really should just, <laughs> I'm not telling you what women feel. I'm telling you what. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, could, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, no, it. It was... You're really just trying to screw me here. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that you a lot of it, you, you, you always attribute it to, you know, you're coming to a point where it's like you could no longer bear children. And so you get this 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 sudden rush of anxiety to have children. But I, I'm just saying with this new knowledge, I wonder if this this has any impact on that. You know, just say like there's so many facets no, I think to our society. Like geriatric geriatric pregnancies and the risk of your body and i mean you're, what this is talking about is your mind when you're getting into pregnancy it's like but, your body i'm talking but this is stuff. but it has to do yeah but i'm saying a lot of these things have to do with your your change in thinking right and i'm just trying to say that i well, wonder no, I, how I agree, much no, of no. this i agree i agree uh, with you i can't i can't in part in part of course it's not fully not pregnant not pregnancy pregnancy is different that's okay. like that's that's different but because that's <laughs> but it's about the, the framing of like the framing of your life to say, like, I need these certain factors to fit in order to do this now or just the way that you're going to go about, you know, the, the decision making you're going to. I just say people so you are going in a different direction than I was thinking. OK, so you're thinking about midlife crisis, your choices you're going to make. And yeah, and those I was more thinking of society you know, the stresses that we put on you once you turn 18, your, the, the, the degree of education, you, the degree of your career, the mm -hmm. responsibilities that you get, the rehabilitation that you get if you commit a crime or something like that, you know, you know, how does that, we, we draw the line at 18 and you were talking about 24, 25, now it's into your thirties. What does that mean? You know, is this like a semi-adolescence? Is this an, ex an extension of childhood? Like, are you a child or are you semi-adolescent until your 30s? Do we, should we be educating people longer? Should we be expecting them to be contributing to the workforce? Should we be putting them in prison or jail if they do something wrong? What, is, you know, what does it mean for society and the way that we view people or view humans as contributors? If you want to go it, down that road, which is a fine road to go down. No, you don't the, like that road. You want to, you want to think, <laughs> all right, tell well, me about the sports well, the reason, car you want. Well, well, what sports car do you want? <laughs> Well, I'm just trying to think that it's it's these are the kinds of questions that would come up even back when we believed that you're at you're you're still forming your cognition in your mid 20s. I'll agree with you on decisions. So it's the same thing. That? A common thread between you and I right now in the way that we took this are decisions. Your decisions you're saying are making of uh, of your of your life, but my decisions, things that I'm thinking of are, you know, decisions about your future in a different way, not so materialistic, but your, your, your development as a human. And, think, and yeah. how, how responsible are you at even 25 then to make a decision about your long-term future 
if you're not fully developed you're still responsible okay because we have to i think i guess how responsible that's why i said semi-adolescent exactly childhood and i think think there there should be there look we have degrees for certain things you can't rent a car for instance until you're 25 we have degrees set in our society on as to age milestones it's well i mean in this country so I'm saying, and again, back to it's cultural. So you, that it's always going to be cultural. But I think that a, a healthy way to incorporate this knowledge into our society is to create some sort of gradient. So you, I mean, you're right. I think that we're going to both agree with that. That it, we need to reevaluate the gradients to which we we dole out adulthood, right? And, and here's the thing: everyone thinks it's ridiculous to be an adult at 18. I don't think there's a single person of any kind of you know, that thinks about any of this, that agrees that 18 is an adult, is, a, is an appropriate even beginning stage of adulthood. I, I think most people would push to 21, which is why it's 21 to drink. Uh, most people want it to be 21 to consume um, tobacco, uh, 21 definitely for marijuana usage. So, I mean, already in our legislation, there is an understanding that 21 is the new 18. We just haven't I think we haven't gotten there in terms of our legal system. Our legal system is probably the one of the few areas that we're behind in terms of that notion. I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't want to get you don't want to get too political into things, but I mean, we're we're sitting here charging. We could charge teenagers as adults and things of that nature. Uh, you know, and again, you know, there's always. I don't exceptions. want to get political. It's in the it's in the description to the podcast. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but I don't know how to. I don't want to. I don't want to get into that. My point is, is that. I, I want no because I don't want to detract from the point that we're making. That's that's what I'm trying to say. It's I want I don't want to detract by getting into like any any uh, any recent. Well, I'll say this, Antoine. I'll say this is that the scientists in the article they pose this this they pose this notion as well mm-hmm. that we should get rid of the notions of childhood and adulthood. Get rid of that entirely. And think yeah, of I agree. More, to your point, you said gradient, but they use the term tra- uh, trajectory. Okay, and that you just change over time, and it's just a, a development. Like, yeah, there's no, okay, here's the line where we treat you a different way or whatever it may be. And I don't know how that functions in society. I don't know how that changes the rules. But it's or already how there. You even have rules. It's already well, there. Really. It's just not no, there. Well, it's when you're well, 18. You can go to, or 16 in some cases, apparently you can go to prison. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, look, I mean, I think that the judicial system is, is a whole nother animal, but in terms of how the greater society, free society tends to treat people, you're already being treated on a great drafted. You can no, you can get drafted. Well, military. yeah, I get that. I, I I hear what you're saying in terms of the. But the, first of all, when's the last draft we've had? We haven't had one since the 70s. And uh, you can join the military. You can make an irrational decision to join the military. How about that? That's fine. I mean, would 18 year old you and 30 year old you feel the same way? Of course not. Of course not. I think that you're. I mean, you're, you're pulling from, I think, two extremes. So it's like you could easily you want to solve those. Fine. You could draft legislation. So you can't join the military till 21 I'm thinking of things off the top of my head that actually. But it's not extreme because it is it's, well, it's not an everyday the, experience, though. Well, I, I want to get back to people. You. There is how many people do we have in the military? Not, first of all, it's uh, it's well, million people. Yeah, there's lots of people. There's lots of people in the military. Yes, but it, it is not. But the majority of Americans do not join the military. OK, so we could already just put that out as facts. The but majority not, of Americans do not but, join the military. But that's a dangerous concept to say that just because the majority don't do it, that it doesn't happen to a lot. And I'm, of and I'm saying you should address it. And it's something that can be that is addressed that can be addressed. And should but it's be not. Addressed. My point is, it's not an extreme to bring up the military and people joining or um, whatever the other example I gave is. I can't even remember now. Um those aren't extremes. Those are very real for a lot of people. And it doesn't need to be the majority, but for a segment of the population, very sizable, it is very real. And yeah, and I think that if you if you wanted to, based on the back of this knowledge, you could make an argument to create legislation that could up the military age from 18 to 21 and, and solve that solve that issue if you wanted to. I, I my point is I I guess I'm I'm more stuck on just sort of the the how you're treated as you grow. And in terms of like that, the the way that we 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 shut we shuttle kids through the education process, where you're going from uh, kindergarten, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, like that whole idea of of sort of making it very rigid, like you get to these stages and these are the expectations of you, and trying to instead create something that's a little bit more gradual, a little bit more seamless, much in the way you're talking about it, where it's not necessarily that you you hit this age and now this is your new platform in life, but more of like, here's your sliding scale that's appropriate to you as you age. And I'm saying that is going to be a much more difficult 
uh, process to sort of get your head around, get most people's head around, heads around, and to actually figure out what is the best modality for a young person as they grow and as they age without these set and hard stones of like, this is where you are now. This is where you are now. That, that's what that's what I'm talking about when well, I talk about the everyday experience. It's like the thing well, that everybody really- is going to go through versus like some people get to this point where they get to that age of 18. It's like, well, am I going to work in my dad's like auto shop or am I going to go to the military? It's like, yeah, that, that is an experience. And that is a very, it's, it's a, it's, it's a common experience, especially depends on what part of the country you're happy to be from. But I'm talking about something a little bit more. I don't want to say like nuanced necessarily, but I'm just saying this is an everyday. It's a hundred percent. Everybody's going to go through middle school, right? It's a hundred percent thing in this country. So well, all of those things, I mean, then you're getting into like personalized and I, and I'm a big advocate of anything that's customized to the individual. I don't know how feasible it is, but it's a dream. Mm. Um, especially when you get into like medicine and stuff, but when you get into these milestones of what you're supposed to do, especially from an academic or an early development point of view, it's all based on like these trends and averages, but you have a lot of people who are, you know, outliers where you're delayed or whatever it may be. I mean, when you think about young children yeah. and they're not hitting certain milestones and you send them to and that's specialists what I'm talking about here. like yeah. that, like it, it's all based on what the averages are, but is that really the best way to do it? I know that it's probably the, um, <laughs> the cheapest, one of the cheaper yeah, ways. Yeah, to the do most it. efficient way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, efficient, but maybe not because what if you, <laughs> then you, cause all right, it's efficient because it's 50, uh, 51% of the population did that, yes, exactly. you know, to put it in a crude way right. or a simplistic way. But then you're missing out on 49% of people operating optimally because they've been left behind and, and conditioned to think that they're in some way, you know, inferior or whatever it is behind. Yeah. Um, what if you could make it closer to 100% that people were getting the care and and fostering and conditioning that their you know education that they needed whatever it is development they needed and so it's, it's a yeah it's an interesting way that you put that um but i think we're good i think you're you're in a better space to start talking about it you're in a better space to really tackle that issue if you were not cutting people off at 18 and saying hey you're 18 you got to figure this world out for yourself now right what would the if world you, be if you don't what yeah if you treated a 28 year old like they were 16 that the inappropriate <laughs> that's what because that's the you know again, what I that's mean? Why I don't want to get exactly yeah. like that, but do you know what I mean? But where, even similar, you know, I you're don't... like two years shy of you being this legal age, and mm-hmm. you're two years shy in this other scenario where you're being, you know, where you're 30 and now you're in your 30s. And no, you're not going to treat them with the kid gloves, but treat a 16 year old like a 16 year old. But it's there is this like hard stop where where you're 18 now. Get yeah. your get your get your stuff together. Get right? your stuff like, together, get, right? Get, get your, your act together in a row. Right. Which, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? What do you mean you're going to go to college? And you don't know what your major is. Exactly. Um, you and know, that, like, but that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. Now you're in my headspace. This is what I'm talking about. This is exactly what I wanted. To, this is this is this is the tackling of that of that uh, that, you know, instead of exactly instead of this, these hard stops, you know, that we create for ourselves. Exactly. We're, we're creating this this more. It's, it's more of a like it's more liquid. OK, it's less rigid. It's more liquid. It's like exactly some 18 year olds might be prepared to become. You know, say I want to be a doctor. I'm going to go to school, college for pre-med, and I'm going to do this profession. And this is really what I want to do. They probably don't know what the hell they want to do, but there might be some people who say who sit there and are like, "Look, I'm adamant about it. This is what some I want to go have for." Have epiphanies early on. Good for what, you guys. What I was going to say is that I think that one of the things that could help, and because I think is it's going to be very difficult to go back and sort of revise the entire system, but something that you could probably implement if you were a legislator or you know you or you were in a role to sort of create. Uh, some sort of change on this on this uh, on this level of our society is that you could make it easier for people to switch vocations. I think that having again, when we talk about like that barrier to college, like instead of having to pay for college or you getting free, um, what do you call it, free um, community college, if you allow that to to have a greater um, foothold in terms of people being able to job train and change what they thought they wanted to do and be able to go into multiple careers, or you, you foster a society that allows people to have multiple f- professions throughout the span of their life, you might be accommodating people in a better sense than, again, making people very rigid. It's like you chose to be a doctor at 18, so you're going to be a doctor until the day you die. And I think that that's really difficult um, when you start addressing this kind of, uh, um, you know, that the, the fact that people are actually changing in different, reaching different milestones between the ages of 18 to mid thirties. I think that that, that kind of thing might be very helpful for our society. Can I, can I offer up 
a shade of that, an alternative shade of yeah, that. Yeah, sure. That's what they're um, about. Because I've thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shouldn't, I don't want to make it seem like in like some pretentious way, but I've, I have thought about how do you um, keep people stimulated or find out what people's passions are and put them in the right place. Um, and, and, and like, how do you achieve that? And when I go down the road that you, cause I've gone down that road and, and what I've come to is that you lack specialists and the world needs specialists. Like you, you will never, if everyone is changing jobs every so often, you will never have people who have done a job so long that they just do it in a, to a degree that no one else can. You, you lose out on innovations, you lose out on just progress in that particular discipline. So, and maybe there's a, maybe that's not what you meant. And maybe I'm taking it way too literally, but I'm not saying that that, everybody has to, but I think that this is, you're raising a a very interesting point. So I'm saying you should go on with that because you're right. My, my ideology doesn't, what I'm I'm imagining, right. You got your, let's see, you get your, you get your, you get your elementary education out of the way and you're 18 years old or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but you got it, you know, almost a whole other segment of the life that you lived so far to bring yourself into your thirties. And there's so much more to education than just the academic experience. I feel like there's a cultural education that can happen. There's just a, an experience, experiencing different things in life. Mm-hmm. And so what if, you know, the next journey that you go on as a, as a young individual is touring in a way, you know, you think of like the, the Renaissance and people touring Europe and things like that. But what if you toured and you toured cultures, but you also toured professions. And so you, we're doing what you said, but almost like interning at different things every so often. I don't know what the frequency right, of but, that but retaining be. your specialization. Interesting. But, or, or you figure out, you experience multiple different things and you figure out who you are culturally, ideologically, and professionally. And then you're like, all right, I've experienced X amount of things for X amount of period of time. And now I'm in my thirties and I know what I want. At least I have a much better idea of what I want versus when I, when I was 18. And this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And of course, just like any other thing, you can always change, people change jobs at periods. Uh, but now at least you've had the luxury, the, the opportunity to um, grow as an individual and then grow as a professional by just experiencing different types of jobs. And you can jump around as much as you know the system allows you to. But that's in terms of a human growth, because even yeah. if even if you lived in your town and you never left your county and you worked five jobs, I mean, what kind of growth is that? And I think that as soon as we start thinking as ed- of education as more than just, you know, math and history and more from a human level, how people grow as individuals and then experiencing different types of jobs, I think that would be beneficial to society. But that's just kind of my take. I don't know it's if it's almost it has like legs. you're. Yeah, it's almost like you're expanding on the idea idea of the sabbatical, right? Like a like a professor sabbatical kind of thing, or yeah, a couple of people. Different well, people go on. Sab- I mean, I don't know everything about sabbaticals, but you take a month off or whatever it is, yeah, you and take, you like, go research your paper yeah. and you do whatever you need to do, and then you come. Right, back I'm just saying, but it's like a you're 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 giving it steroids. You're, 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 this is, you, is a sabbatical on steroids, right? It's instead of just, well, you think about, you know, you study abroad, right? Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. It's like studying, it's like studying abroad, except it's very structured in a way where you study abroad. Maybe there's, I don't know, you you get to pick 10 professions, 10, you got 10 years, 10 professions, one, I'm making this up really. Yeah. yeah. You got 10, 10 countries, 10 professions, you pick, at the end of that, you got to make a decision. It sounds like a great reality show. That's what sounds like. It sounds like you're pitching the world's <laughs> well, longest now, now reality I show. Thought about the actual, uh, you know, administration, the facilitation of all of this. Something but now like that's kind of something like, well, look, so the I, I guess what we're both trying to err on is the idea of greater flexibility when it comes to the professional paths, because we are honoring the fact that people have more room to grow from these eight from the age of 18 to their thirties. And, and, in, and, and that should be, we, we should be embracing it as a society and then offering greater flexibility for people to choose to not get stuck in, in, you know, in some rigid path that they happened to pick when they were 19 and they're a completely different person 10 years later. 
And I think that there's something, I think there's merit to it. And I think that that's something that we should be definitely striving towards. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. And I think that I'm just saying, I'm, 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 I'm blown away. If this paper, I mean, obviously this paper has been picked up and it's been peer reviewed. It'd be interesting to hear, uh, to read other articles uh, from other publications, just talking around it because it's, um, I, I actually think this is like, um, 25 made more sense. And I felt like, again, there are enough, laws that are that are in place to I, I like wait can you gamble at 18 or do you can you you have to be 21 to gamble too right so let me just say there's a lot of parts of our society where it's like if you're a fully grown adult at 25 well it's in like the u.s in the u.s we're only talking about the u.s right because i can't first of all culture again because culture weighs in so heavily in the way first of all in if you're in the uk system or i'm not i can't talk to the greater european system but if you're in the uk system you're definitely asked to pick a path by the time you're 16. By the time you're 16, you already know whether you're going to go math, science or humanities or, you know, if you're going to be like a a lawyer or if you're going to be a doctor or what, like you're picking that stuff way earlier than you are in the U.S. Like you're you're already going to med school by the time you're 18 in the U.K. So, you know, again, we can't I can't you can't speak speak to where that culture has to start in, in light of this new information. I can only we can only talk about the U.S. because we have an idea at least of where we are, how we're treated at certain age groups. And then sort of like where you can go, you know, you, we can't say, you know, that that's a whole restructuring of their like that's that's a massive there. The UK, for instance, would have a lot more to do knowing that you don't become a full adult until you're 30, considering that you're asked to do to become a full adult at like the age of 16. Right. At least we're a little bit, you know, most people are allowed to sort of feel their way through the ages of 18 to 21 or 22 in college. You know, you're you're still allowed to kind of experiment a little bit in our society. So I'm just saying we have a different culture when it comes to that. So we can only talk from our particular culture. Right. I mean, as just say, we can't make these broad strokes because I have no idea what it's like to be a kid in Poland. Okay, so. So U.S. only, guys. U.S. only. Well, <laughs> just say this is our perspective. I don't want to. I don't want to overreach. I just know that there's. It's just so different in every other country that it, I think it would be very difficult to to start uh, doing broad strokes there. So that's my defense on that. All right. Well, what's your topic? That's ah, too late, man. It's the end of our episode. <laughs> too late. Man, <laughs> yeah, we're done. Can't go any further. It would take too long. <laughs> I got Jeez. dinner going. All right. Yep. <laughs> so, there you go. Where can they find us? At Retraction Media. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what topics you're interested in. And rate us on your podcast listening platform. And with that, Retraction out. Retraction out.